Happy Super Bowl Sunday, Maddie. Fly Eagles fly, let's go. I hate you so much. <laughs> you can tell we were having to re-record this at yeah. this point. You know, whatever. So we'll, we'll we'll save the jokes real fast. Oklahoma, the, like let's just go, let's just pretend like everybody's been listening. And they've heard us to They've stop heard us do this three times. Three times at this point because the audio keeps messing up. Um, yeah, like, number one, Oklahoma has the most teams in the Super Bowl. Maddie hates Oklahoma for regionality yes. purposes. Number three, I'm hate watching the Super Bowl this year because I hate both teams. And number four, um, we also think Rihanna's going to win. Oh, yeah, That's Rihanna wins the Super Bowl by default. Default. Um, default. Uh, <laughs> uh, and number five, the whole point of this whole thing. Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC sooner than expected. Hi, I'm David. Welcome to the Hoop Southbound <laughs> podcast and that express way of a like, cold open that we just did. I like it. Hey guys, it's Maddie. <laughs> yeah, we, you can't tell we're a little bit frustrated with technology today, or at least I'm getting there. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you at this we'll point. We'll get there someday. That's how I feel better right now. <laughs> someday, when this show is huge, we'll have a tech back in the booth who handles <laughs> all these little problems and goes, Avery yeah. Avery will hire you. My wife just gave a thumbs up. Today we are recording in my living room because it is Super Bowl Sunday and, you know, stuff has been shoved into the guest room, which is also our normal studio uh, where we record all the other podcasts. But, you know, is what it is. This is Change of scenery today. might be nice for the people. It, it might be. It might be, Maddie. You know, and get the huge 65-inch screen TV in which we will be watching the games late, game later and the eat the chicken wings that I do make for the game, which is another reason why we are going to get this podcast done as fast as possible. David brings wings, I bring tequila. That's the way it works around here. Absolutely. I mean, I got a <laughs> beer full, you know, fridge full of beer and everything else. We're going to be ready to rock on this thing. Let's yep. talk about the news, though, first that, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC. Let's get started there. Yeah. So, you know, we've obviously talked about it a few times now. I think there's a few <laughs> pros and a few cons to them coming in. Uh, you know, pros... You have a lot of new fans, a lot more money that are going to be coming in from those fan bases. And regionally, some SEC schools are going to be a lot closer when it comes to traveling. And then, you know, I think the cons of the side are looking at there's two more schools added to an already packed conference. So I think what we see is a shift in more of an SEC East and SEC West situation moving forward. Yeah, it's it's definitely there is a dividing line now. Um, and it's kind of like the Greater South and the Deep South is actually yeah. almost how it speaks now to some level of volume. But it, it is interesting, right? Because from a basketball perspective, you have two pretty good programs that are joining. You know, everybody knows how, how they are in football. Everybody knows the names Texas and Oklahoma when it comes to football. But both teams are pretty good historically when it comes to basketball. You're talking about Oklahoma, who's been the runner-up to the NCAA tournament twice. Mm -hmm. Texas has multiple Final Four appearances, which is going to put them historically in the way of March finishes goes in the top, you know, five teams or so of the SEC, somewhere top six, top five teams of the SEC. Um it, that's that's interesting and then you've also got the money perspective you know they're, they're right in the middle of the pack with the income that basketball revenue generates in there you've got a yeah. brand new stadium in texas with the moody center that's going to be added into the rotation for the sec you have this rebirth of rivalries between like arkansas and texas you know texas arkansas is probably about the third or fourth most important rival for texas yeah. and you know recently you probably say texas tech is third but you know historically arkansas would probably be the third most important Probably about the second most important in Arkansas fans' minds right now. And then you've got the also the relationship between Mizzou and Oklahoma and Texas A&M and Texas. That's going to be huge. Those are going to be big games that generate back to the Big 12 and this, you know, Central South kind of uh, 
regionality, as you said earlier. So yeah. it, it's going to be fun to bring some of this stuff back. And then also, you know, Texas and Oklahoma put a lot of players in the NBA as well. Yep. You know, think of first first things first, Kevin Durant comes to my mind. Kevin Durant, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying one. to think for Oklahoma. I can't Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, go. yeah. You know, but yeah, you got big Blake Griffin out there. I forgot about him. You know, he's under the Kardashian curse, I think, still. I so. think he's the cover of the last NCAA basketball video game. Wow. I think he's the cover athlete for it. Um, I'm yep. not 100% sure, but yeah, it's him wearing the Oklahoma Sooners jersey, putting a dunk down. Like, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, you know, it's... We're going to have some great teams joining. Um, of course, we won't see this until the summer of 2024. Texas and Oklahoma having to pay $100 million to get out of their current arrangement with the Big 12. Yep. And then we've also got the situation with, you know, basketball is not going to tip off until anywhere close to October 2024 is when we'll actually probably have our first preseason conversation on what kind of season we can expect from Texas and Oklahoma, you know? Yep. I think it'll be interesting. It'll be an added layer to the show. Hopefully we'll get some more fans um, in the Oklahoma and Texas regions. Yeah, for sure. That'll, that'll be a lot of fun. I think we've already got fans down in Texas, but they're mostly, well, you know, yeah. A&M, A&M and, and uh, Arkansas alumni who live in Dallas. You and, know, yeah. you know, your brothers who are hate listening to give They're Texas time. fans, yeah, but, you know, they, they live in Arkansas, which, you know, find them. They're traitors. You should tell them that. <laughs> Let's talk about um, the biggest storyline from the show this week actually first Maddie, what are your kind of your initial thoughts on this overall week in the sec you know uh for me i think it's like somebody dropped a bomb and it just blew up and so many different teams were affected by it we see tennessee going back-to-back losses which we'll, we'll get into um here in a little bit and teams that weren't supposed to win what? come out with a win and teams that weren't supposed to lose Took the L. I mean, if you're a gambler, no one was safe this weekend. Not a soul. <laughs> Not a soul was safe. If you if you took a favorite, you might as well just then flush your money down the yeah, toilet this exactly. week. It was crazy because, you know, you had Arkansas go on the road in Kentucky and just stomp everybody and mm-hmm. rub, you know, played a, played a heck of a game there. Tennessee goes on the road to Vandy in Nashville. Vandy beats Tennessee in kind of a shocker, you know, um, a game that Vandy fans were very pumped about winning. Yep. You've also got, you know, additional upsets. Um with Mizzou beating Tennessee, and then uh, another big one. I believe Florida got upset by Vandy. Yep. And, you know, it. I mean, it, it even affected the bottom of the conference, too. Ole Miss getting beat by South Carolina and Oxford this week. It, it was nuts. It was absolutely a crazy, crazy, crazy week. Crazy week for basketball. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah, it, it was it was nuts. But let's talk about the, um, the namesake of this episode and why it is Barnes Breakdown um, in this. And we are talking about the team that got impacted the most out of this craziness, and that would be the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, you know, uh, I said it last week, I'll say it again, I think we've seen Tennessee's peak. I've been hesitant to say that they're number one all year because I just felt it in my soul, it was going to happen, and I think it's it's finally catching up. We're seeing games that they shouldn't lose come down to the wire and huge upsets, and it's just kind of like a trickle-down effect. I feel like after Kentucky went to Tennessee and beat them at home, it's like they haven't been the same team. It, it, yeah, I think, you know, as you said earlier, you know, they peaked. Yep. It, it, it just feels like that at this point, and I, I don't know what to say. In Tennessee's last two losses, the Vols, you know, allowed 10 or more three-point field goals made mm-hmm. in that game. That That's nuts. That's This is one of the best defenses in the SEC. They don't normally allow that. 
And then here's Vandy and Mizzou lighting it up from deep. And, you know, one, the respected home arena, and then two, in TBA. Yeah. Against one of the best three-point defenses in the SEC. That's just, it's kind of an anomaly. They lost both games on a buzzer beater three, which is, I don't even know the odds of that happening. Like, that's that's just ludicrous on some level. Um, I, I don't know what to necessarily say. Are the Vols just unlucky, or is this the sign of something worse? I think it's the sign of the end of their season. You know, we've kind of talked about it. We talked about it in our early episodes, how the Vols start out red hot, and then around tournament time, they just can't come through and get the win. And I think that happened last year, but we saw their peak at the SEC tournament, and then it just went down downhill and this year they've peaked a little earlier so i don't know maybe they need to take a few weeks off next I, summer I than when they traditionally start i i, I don't I, know what's still i don't know exactly what the issue is you know you've got rick barnes i'm not calling rick barnes necessarily a hot seat but tennessee fans are frustrated with hitting a ceiling every time yeah it's it's not march madness yet i'm not saying that they have hit a ceiling and they're not going to get through there we, we won't know that until we're playing the actual tournament but like signs are starting to indicate this is starting to look like last season all over again and i i, I just don't know what to tell you there's concern mm-hmm. for how far rick Burn, barnes can actually take tennessee and so right now if if i'm a vols fan you know People are going to start getting upset, and you know a lot of people are going to, you know, Vols fans who have been a little bit less friendly, you know, toward their own fans and everything like that on social yeah. media. You know, today they're celebrating their victories after that Mizzou buzzer beater and back-to-back losses. You know, they were favored in three out of their four last games, and you know they two of those games were in Knoxville. They lost them. Yep. And you know a lot of people thought this team had Final Four potential, but it, it's starting to look like they're falling out of that category quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's going to be one of those situations where we're going to have to look really deep at this Alabama and can or Alabama and Tennessee game uh, coming up this week, and then when the balls go to Kentucky, how they're going to fare against a less than fantastic Kentucky team. Massive, as well. massive schedule. You know, with two Q one opportunities for the balls this week. Of course, we're going to do the interview with Christian Sykes here in just a minute and our Bama section that's going to be coming up immediately after we get done talking about Tennessee. Let's let's look a little bit more at Kentucky because Kentucky, they're in a desperate spot for some wins and neither one of these teams are playing well. And you're in Lexington. It's This is a really scary game if yeah. you're Tennessee, especially coming off a game against Alabama. Now, wounded animal mode is a real thing and revenge is a real thing. But last time these teams played... Kentucky dominated the boards by plus 20. Yeah, I think this is going to be a must-win, honestly, for both teams yes. here. Um, it's, not, it's not a must-win for the Vols for the sake of making the tournament, yeah. but it's a must-win to get your season back on exactly. track. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the way that they've been playing both teams, honestly, if Alabama comes in, tears up or Tennessee, are they going to be able to handle Kentucky the way that they should be. Now, one thing that I will say is that Kentucky does a great job of getting boards. That's yep. that's who they are. They do a great job of rebounding the basketball. You know, in that first game, Oscar Shibuya had 13 boards in that game, and a couple of them came off the off several of them came off the offensive glass. Um, then the other side of that is Tennessee didn't shoot well from three. Yep. In that game, they shot 14 percent, and they had two or three. Yeah, they had three three field goal three point field goals made. 
Viscovi's got to have a better game for Tennessee if, when they when they go to Lexington. Yeah, Tennessee's got to get their offense back on track. You know, we've talked time and time again about how great they are defensively, but they're lacking offense. And I think this is what's catching up with them now is that other teams have figured this out. And now that they're looking forward, they're going to have to do some work on the offensive end to move forward anywhere. I'll challenge that season. even more. Like there's 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 a couple of fold things there. I'll take that even a step further. From defensively, they have to stop the ball movement because Jerry Stackhouse's scheme tore them apart yep. with the way that they moved that basketball at home. Now, granted, Vandy shot extremely well, and but like they worked for open shots the entire mm-hmm. game. They weren't settling the entire time in that game. And then also when you look at Tennessee from the free throw line, they do not get to the free throw line enough. They're in the bottom half of the SEC in free throw attempts. They just do not do a good job getting the line. You can talk about the Arizona game. You can talk about uh, the first Kentucky game. You can talk about even Vandy this week or last week. Vandy was in a situation where that rare situation where they didn't foul enough Mm -hmm. and it almost cost them the game because they only had two fouls in the last two minutes. Like, They, they were having to foul every time, you know, Tennessee inbounded the ball, and they were doing this on repeat, you know, having to quickly foul to get Tennessee to the free throw line. And somehow, Tennessee misses a free throw, and Vandy is able to get the half-court call timeout and they get the game-winner shot. Should I say it, David? What? Free throws win basketball games. And free throws do win basketball Tennessee games. And part of out. winning free throws is to get to the actual line. Like, yep. you have to have free throw attempts to win at free throws. Exactly. So, you know, you got to draw contact. you got to do things like that. It's just something we haven't seen Tennessee be – proficient at and yeah. it, it is a concern and I think you know it might be one of those things that Tennessee has become pretty reliant on their three-point shooters getting those offensive points for them instead of taking the ball in go, making drives going to the basket and drawing them foul yeah so in this game like I said I think rebounds are going to be the biggest thing for the Kentucky matchup you're going to have to have good games from key you're going to have to have good games from Phillips and Plavich you're going to you need you guys to show up Yep. And you gotta you gotta fight Oscar on the boards the entire night and everybody on this Kentucky team because they rebound. If I don't have a lot of faith in Kentucky doing a lot of things good, but offensive rebounding is one yeah, is one of those things that I think they do pretty dang well. Yep. Let's talk about the Vols next game. We have an interview with Christian Sykes from Crimson Crossover talking about Alabama and in that we'll have a little bit of a preview for Tennessee and Alabama. And this interview today is brought to you by SeatGeek. Right now, you can get $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek using the SeatGeek app and our promo code VSN. You know, I'm I'm a fan of SeatGeek. I like the fact that they include the fees on there so you actually know what you're paying because, you know, you can play some ridiculous fees to go see the return of Nick Smith Jr., this historic Alabama team, or the downfall of Kentucky or whatever you want to call it right now. You know, it's it's really... It's a really great app. It's a lot of. It's really easy to use to go find a find a deal or anything on there. So I, I'm a fantasy geek. They're a good. They're a good app. I've used them before. Um, easy way to find tickets. Yeah, I think it's one of those things I'm still kind of getting used to. When you look at you know some of their competitors and you see you're like, oh, the price is like fifty dollars different on here. Like, no, it's just the fees are included. I have to remind myself of that every time I go on the app. Yep. I mean it's it's nice to know because you're getting a get a better getting a better estimate, I should say, yep. when you don't include taxes and what. But right now you can get that twenty dollars off using promo code VSN. And today we are welcoming into the show Christian Sykes of Crimson Crossover. And you know he is hyped up right now because my goodness, Alabama is kicking everybody's tail across this conference. How are you doing today, Christian? Good. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. 
Yeah. Um, so let's start with a little bit of a conversation here. Uh, I saw this on Twitter, and I know it's been a huge talking point for a while uh, in Alabama, and that is either renovating Coleman or building a new stadium. What is the latest going on out there uh, in Crimson Tide land? Yeah, so I'll just give a little bit of a backstory. So when we initially announced this um, this program called the Crimson Standard um, a few years ago, there was like three different phases. Phase one being renovating um, Bryant-Denny Stadium to include these suite level type of box seats. Um, and the reason why they did that first, because a lot of people are like, oh, of course Alabama is going to invest in their football program is, you know, Alabama football is what generates the money for the rest of the athletic department those box seats that they built were I think like million dollar box seats. So like for every single box seat, you had to at least donate a million dollars in order to get one plus the annual fees. So the thought process was, Hey, let's do these box seats so that it can then fund the rest of the project, which was a $600 million Crimson standard project to, um, you know, basically renovate all of the athletics. Um, that was announced, I think, 2017, I want to say. Um, and then in that initial plan was a $90 million renovation for Coleman Coliseum, a.k.a. the hangar, um, because that hadn't been renovated since the 90s, I believe. Um, and as the, you know, basketball program evolved, we hired Nate Oates, um, you know, success started to, you know, kind of compound. Um, they thought, or the athletic department and Greg Byrne thought it would be a better idea to actually build a new arena because you could do more with it than, you know, just take the bare bones. Um, and that announcement happened last February and it was a $183 million pr- project or build that was going to happen. Um, they didn't give a timetable, but it was in the initial stages last February. Obviously we're dealing with you know, historic inflation and have been over the last year, um, that $183 million project has increased to $250 million just to build the new arena, um, which was not, you know, that that extra $70 million that wasn't built in or caked into the, you know, fundraising. Um, and on top of that, you know, NIL came out um, and, you know, that kind of process kind of shaped differently how, you know, donations and fundraising is, is happening because, you know, your boosters are allowed to donate to these collectives or entities like yay Alabama that we just, just launched. And for a guy like Nate Oates, you know, what do you want? Do you want this new fancy arena or do you want elite talented players? You know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, to toss up decision. And obviously I think for most coaches, they would keep the old arena and, you know, get the new players like a Brandon Miller or, you know, Noah Clowney or some of these other guys that we're, we're bringing in. That totally makes sense. Um, Part of the conversation that I heard, I guess, in the interview was about once we're going, we're going. So that's been kind of the holdup is that they want kind of a firm price before they tell the general public what's going to, what's happening next. Or am I misunderstanding what's being said there? Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming you listened to the um, next round interview with Greg Byrne, um, and he and he basically said the the few meetings that they were having with architects every single time that they came back, you know, the 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 price would increase by twenty five million dollars, increase, increase, increase to the point where 
they I think they their thought process is they want to wait until and the inflation levels out so that they're not you know as they start building you're not getting hit with oh it's going to be an additional 10 million dollars to do this oh you know this price to you know the material cost is increased by 15 million you know what I'm saying they want yeah. a firm, like hey this is the price this is what we're, we're locked into this and we we can't really change anything and so um the I know our fans are being a they're kind of pushing it. If you look under Greg Burns tweets, every single tweet is arena, 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 build the arena, build the arena. He actually sent out a tweet yesterday that was like addressing that. Um, and he's like, I appreciate the passion and the consistency and we're working on it every single day. Um, but they're being fiscally responsible, which is what you want from your athletic department. No, I definitely understand. Like, especially if you're going to build something that's supposed to be like on par with say like the Moody center in Texas, you know, something that's going to be that grand. Um, you definitely want to get the numbers right. That seems like a like a pretty uh, crucial point. All right, I mean, let's go ahead. Oh, you know, I think it's one of those situations where there's you're going to have two sides of the coin for everything. You're going to have these people that are complaining they're not getting the arena fast enough, but then if they were to go ahead, like forge ahead, get everything set up, ready to build, you're going to have so many people talking about how they're blowing money on a new arena. So it's one of those things, you know, like I feel like as long as you guys have a successful basketball program, you're going to have the majority happy. Yeah. And the big thing is, is that a lot of our, our our fans that are saying build the arena, build the arena, you know, the athletic department has shown a willingness to invest into the basketball program, specifically with Nate Oates's uh, most recent contract extension. Yeah. Um, making his buyout one of the highest in the country. And he's a top eight paid coach in the nation um, at Alabama. That's a hypothetical so football. I was going to say that's a historic mark there for yeah. Alabama because like, no offense to your probably like historically it's not like Michigan state or anything like that. Not a job where you would necessarily think like top eight money comes in. So that is definitely a commitment to the future of the basketball program. and something that's very exciting in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. I, I would say build the man a new arena right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm inclined to say that as well, but at the same time, I'm a finance guy. And so I understand, you know, yeah they're coming from with that they don't want to they want to make sure that it's it's controlled by the university and not controlled by external factors and I, so I, yeah that's kind of where they're at right now now i'm a hoper and i'm a dreamer so i would be on the other team there um that's not my profession by the way um but you know anyway let's uh let's move on to what happened this week for alabama obviously uh first game you know what we definitely want to talk about is the matchup with auburn Huge game, the Iron Bowl of basketball. I don't, I don't know why that seems to be the thing that everybody's. Why don't we call it like the Iron Hoop or something like that? I don't know. It's like get creative. I, I outsider's perspective, but anyway, um, huge game for the Tide. And you were telling me a pretty interesting stat about that game uh, before we started recording here. Yeah. Um. So Pablo Escar Escobarner, um, he's a good friend of mine. He also obviously a you know Auburn fan. Um. You know, it's a respect, but we go back and forth and like hit jabs at each other. He said that, and this isn't an official stat. This is just based off of what we know about the teams in the past. You know, six out of the last seven matchups between Alabama and Auburn in basketball, the mo the more talented team has won the game. Um, if you look at last year, Auburn swept Alabama. Um, obviously, I Auburn was ranked one in the country at you know some point in the season last year. Um, they were, I think, a two seed, um, a two or three seed in 
you know, the NCAA tournament. And then yes. the year before, you know, Auburn's an IT team and then Alabama's a two seed in the NCAA tournament. We sweep Auburn then. Um, the only toss up game, I believe, was the first year that Nate Oates was here when Auburn came into Tuscaloosa and we beat them. Um, that would be the only time that I think the lesser talented team won. I mean, that makes so, sense. Yeah. It's definitely like a rivalry that's gone back and forth. You think about the 2019, you know, Auburn making the final four. And then you go to a couple of years ago, 2020, 2021 season, Alabama wins the conference and everything. And then, you know, this year, you know, Al- Auburn was a two seed last year. This year, Alabama looks like they're on their way to a one seed. It's really kind of interesting yeah. when you think about it, like just how back and forth that's ever, it's kind of gone in waves, so yeah. to speak. I mean, it's one of those things that you think about, like, obviously like the more talented team should win but when you have that rivalry matchup there's just another level that's added yeah of course um so let's what did you learn really from this game with Auburn more than anything else like about Alabama you know I I know that I saw the conversation with Haslam is that how you pronounce his last name I, I forget about the consistency issues or the consistency concerns with Alabama what did you kind of learn from this game um and so so to speak from this so just a, a first point. So I'm talking with Eric. He does great work. You know, check out Haslam Matrix. Um, he has a bunch of, you know, analytics if you're into that type of thing. Um, so the consistency thing isn't a Alabama isn't a consistent team. It's Alabama is, you know, outscoring, I think, their opponents at home by 25 points. And on the road, it's only like six or seven. So that's where the consistency is is an issue. Is not Alabama isn't good or isn't consistent. It's Alabama's so good at, at home, and Alabama's you know so good, you know scoring wise at home and defensive wise at home. When they get on the road, they're not you know putting up twenty five points of get or differential point differential over their opponents, which should be expected. Um, but as far as what I learned from Alabama is one, you know, in, in a game that you only score six three pointers, and a lot of people will say that you know Nato's team is a live and die by the three type of type of team. It's not the case. You no, know, they they scored twenty three of twenty eight at the rim, um, which was eighty two percent. I think that was the highest mark of the season, um, and was six of twenty one, I believe, from three. Um, the big key for this team is defense. It's the we've allowed um, less than 70 points in every single SEC, um, every single SEC game this season, which is the first time that a team's gone 12 and 0 in the SEC and allowed less than 70 points in a game since 1953. Um, they've also the point differential is 21 points per game as far as like how much we're outscoring opponents. That's the best mark since 1995-1996 Kentucky. Um, oh, wow. The other team that's done that is um, it's a Duke team in the 70s, I believe. So it's it's a historical performance, you know, so far through 12 games for Alabama. But more importantly, I think it shows that Auburn, while losing five of their last six, I think they played their best game of the season yesterday. Um, that makes I mean. It, it kind of took them a while to take over that game, but I can understand like from a comeback and take over the game perspective, like, yeah, I would agree with that. Like there, there was a path there that if Auburn had made a couple of better slot selections or anything, Alabama could have won or lost that game. 
Yeah, I was I was more talking. I think Auburn played their best game of the season. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I was so I think they defended us very well. I think Wendell Green, Zeb Jasper, and Katie Johnson defended exceptionally well on you know, um, and Alan Flanagan who was guarding um, Brandon Miller at times. It was Flanagan and Jalen Williams, I, I believe. Um, I think they defended really well. They did a really good job of. Uh, limiting Brandon Miller he was 0 of 7 from from three um which I don't think that that's happened this season I'm not don't quote me on that I'm not 100 sure but they did a really good job on that and then also getting to the free throw line getting offensive rebounds I think we were out rebounded in the game um I know that we shot almost 60 percent from the field but they did a lot a really good job of forcing turnovers um and putting us into half court sets that we were uncomfortable with, especially in the first half. Makes sense. Um, yeah, Matt, did you have something you wanted to say there? Um, no. Nope, okay. I, I, I just heard the um. Um, so let's talk about these, the, I guess, road inconsistencies that Haslam was pointing out with the uh, first game of the week that Alabama is playing. And that is against Tennessee. I, I don't really know. We talked, we talked about Tennessee in the first part of the show here, but like my thing right now is that the Tennessee, I don't know if it's bad luck, I don't know if it's the fact that they've just completely forgotten how to play three-point defense or what's necessarily going on, but what are your first initial thoughts when you see this Tennessee opponent uh, coming in the TBA? I think they're an elite defensive team. Um, if you look at the Ken Palm metrics, they're still ranked number one in defense, even though they allowed 86 points the last game. Um, their offense is, leaves a lot to be desired. I think they're ranked 51st in Ken Palm. Um, in offense, which is up from 63 before the game yesterday. Um, I think the issue with them is they're not very good at shooting. Uh, They have an ability to sometimes, you know, get hot and knock down threes. But generally speaking, their their offensive system is just, I mean, it's a Rick Barnes offense, which is built on defense, if that makes sense. I know that that – and – and so they're going to guard you really well. They're going to try to muddy up a game similar to a Mississippi State. Um, but they just – if you can get them uncomfortable offensively, then you you saw it yesterday. I mean, Missouri was eating them alive on some of their offensive sets that they were running. I mean, that's fair. Do you think anything about, like, kind of wounded animal mode, though, for Tennessee? Because you're talking about a team that's lost three of its last five games, and they're, they're falling right now. And – and their tournament standard, do you think you're probably going to get like Tennessee's best game of the season against Alabama? Because you got a huge opponent coming in. It is a rivalry game. And this is a chance for the Vols to get back on track at home. Are, are you kind of worried about a elite performance from Tennessee? I mean, I think especially with the standing of where Alabama is right now, as far as like rankings, you know, 12 and 0 in con- conference. And um, they're, I mean, kind of running away with the SEC. I, I expect going forward, and we've kind of seen it a little bit with these past couple of teams like a Mississippi State or an LSU, sorry, Mississippi State a few games ago. But, you know, an LSU, um, Auburn yesterday, I think you're going to get every team's best game. Um, and I think that, you know, going into it, if if the guys are a little bit tired or, you know, physically worn down from a physical Auburn game or physical Iron Bowl game that we, you know, played yesterday, it could be a situation that you, you know, you end up dropping the game. I think, you know, with all the guys that we've talked to or like in our group chats and Mm -hmm. stuff that we're talking to, we've kind of circled this game as like, Hey, you know, this is one of two games I think remaining on the schedule 
well, three, if you Arkansas coming in, if Nick Smith gets back, I think, I think that's it. Well, I mean, like gets, gets, Oh, gets back to himself. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's what I mean. Like not if he, I know he's playing, but like if he gets back and, you know, kind of gets into the offense, I think that the the Arkansas game on the 25th is one that you can circle as a potential loss, but the Texas A&M and uh, I'm sorry, Texas A&M and Tennessee game, these next, those two games are ones that uh, Alabama fans are circling like, Hey, you know, I mean, if we're going to drop some games, I think that's the one, those are the two. And then Arkansas, if, you know, Nick Smith gets back into the fold and, you know, um, starts performing like a top 10 pick like we know he is. Yeah. I mean, that's that makes perfect sense. Let's talk about, though, maybe something a little bit more positive. How big of a game is this for Brandon Miller? Of course, he's from Antioch, Tennessee. I don't know much about his recruiting um, coming there, to be completely honest. But was there kind of a is this kind of a coming home game? Maybe a shot at something that he didn't get a chance for at Tennessee um how, what do you expect to see from Brandon Miller in this game I mean I expect to see a bounce back game from him specifically not because of he's from Tennessee but because you know the game that he had at Auburn um I think that he's going to bounce back because of that now as far as like homecoming he's actually from Antioch which is outside Nashville so his homecoming game was the Vanderbilt game that we played earlier in the season at Bandy um I think he had like 50 or 60 people there at the game um I do think that as far as recruiting, he was recruited by, I think, Kentucky and Auburn. Um, I'm not sure about Tennessee. I think he told Tennessee no. Um, but as far as a get-back game, I think it's a get-back game just because of his performance that he had versus Auburn. I think he's you know, going to come out with I, – I think he played aggressive versus Auburn, but I think he's going to come out and perform a little bit better um, just because I don't think – there's going to be, I think there's going to be pressure to win the game, but I don't think there's going to be as much pressure on the team as it was for Auburn because it's Auburn, if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. Um, so from the three-point line, I guess this is my next question. Tennessee's allowed teams to hit 10 or plus more uh, three, three-point field goals made in the last two losses uh, when you see that Vanderbilt and Mizzou game. Do you think we'll see NATO to put an emphasis on the three-line um, in this game in TBA, or do you think it's going to be more of the, uh, I know it's always an emphasis like in his game, in his strategy, but do you think it's going to set it up more in this game, try to exploit some of those weaknesses that might've been shown in those games? Yeah, I think NATO's philosophy is to take what the defense is giving you. Um, if the, if you look at the Auburn game, Auburn was kind of giving us that inside, you know, points, um, which is why we were able to hit 23 of 28 from the field almost. Yeah. Yeah, interior, um, but they were really guarding the three-point line, which is why we were not shooting effective. Yeah. Also, I don't know what was up with Auburn's rims, but there were some baskets that were literally almost all the way in and then would bounce out. It was wild. Um, but as far as Tennessee, I think the big thing is, is you know, being able to establish yourself in, in the interior. And what that allows you to do is if you're able to drive and then kick out to the corners – then you're you start getting into a you're getting the defense out of out of position because you're bringing people drawing people inside and then you spray out to the corners and if you go around the arc to like the wings then the guy's going to be open and you shoot a shot or you shoot a three and it should be open so i i think that if we can establish that then it's going to be you know an effective game plan i i wouldn't say specifically oh nato's is going to draw up three point shots i think that He's just going to, 
you know, run some sets and see what see what Tennessee is going to give them. I guess that makes completely sense. What else are you looking for in this game against uh, against the Vols? Uh, I'm really interested to see if uh, Josiah Jordan James is going to play. He didn't play in their last game. Um, he's a big presence for them in for the interior um, in the front court. And I think that if he doesn't play, because he is a senior, he's one of their leaders. If he doesn't play, I think it's going to be advantageous for Alabama. Um, I'm really looking to see if Ryland Griffin continues um, his kind of point streak that he's on. I think he's scored 12 points and 12. He's averaging 12 points in the last five games and is shooting over 50% from three. And then in the last game, he, you know, again, shot over 50% and was our leading scorer. Um, I'm looking to see if he can continue that type of trend. Um, and then also trying to see if Namari can kind of get back to where he was uh, versus Florida, where he was being super effective. I don't think he had a great game offensively versus Auburn. So looking for those two things and obviously Brandon Miller, see if he can get back into his groove shooting like he was. I think we all want to see Brandon Miller. Get, if you're a basketball fan, you just want to see great players play good basketball. Um, So I think my big question for you, Christian, I don't know if you watched the Tennessee-Mizzou game, but it was rain and threes over in Vol country. Um, so, you know, in my mind, I think, you know, as as a good coach, Rick Barnes would go back, look at that game plan and draw up a better way to defend from three. Do you think Nate Oates is going to plan for that a little bit? I know you talked a little bit about three-point game, but just when it comes to defense, you're already going up against this Tennessee defense that's still ranked number one. But do you think we see them try and execute three-point defense a little bit more after that Mizzou game? Yeah, I mean, three-point defense is one of those things that it, it, it's kind of difficult to – like, you can defend perimeters well, but if you're running effective sets like Missouri was, I mean, they were running, you know, super successful, you know, back cuts and horn sets and different things like that. And it was just kind of eating um, eating Tennessee's defense alive. If you can run effective sets and attack a defense properly, then, you know – as long as you're hitting three point shots, it's, it's impossible. It's almost impossible to defend um, Tennessee coming into the Missouri game was on a historical, you know, three point defense type of run that they were on. I think at one point they were allowing like 20% from three. Um, it, it's kind of one of those emphasis things that like NATO emphasizes three point shots in a practice on a given day. But as far as like shooting them, and setting stuff up for that. I mean, he runs plays for them, but he always has this philosophy that if you're open, then shoot the threes. Um, that's kind of how it is. It's not necessarily like, hey, we're specifically going to shoot more threes. It's like, hey, you know, we're running an offense. If you have an open shot, shoot the three. That makes okay. sense. Fair enough. I just want to touch on the last game since this is going to end up wrapping up our Alabama uh, segment for the show this week. I want to ask about the Georgia game. And I'm just looking really for your general thoughts. I know that Georgia has got an extreme outsider's chance of making the NCAA tournament. They're holding on to their last breath of hope to make it. How do you expect uh, Georgia to come out? And is this possibly a trap game coming off of that Tennessee game for Alabama? I definitely think it can be. Um, it's not even just because of the Tennessee game. If you look at our, including Tennessee, if you would look at our last three games, it's Tennessee, Auburn, Florida. Those are both, I, I think, Florida's a decent team. Um, I don't think they're, you know, the same level as Auburn or Tennessee, 
but to start that and then go into two physical type of games that are, you know, Tennessee and Auburn, I think that it could be a trap game. If we were playing in Georgia, I would be a little bit more worried about the game. Obviously, we're playing in Coleman, um, and it's going to be kind of like a homecoming of sorts for the guys because there would have been two straight road games after playing Tennessee and Auburn, arguably, you know, biggest rivals. I would say definitely Auburn, but Tennessee, I I don't know about Tennessee. I think – I actually think, you know, you guys will like this. I think Arkansas is a bigger rival in basketball for Alabama than Tennessee, at least at this point. Um, but I would consider it as well, a bigger rivalry yeah. between us, but yeah, you know, um, but I, I think I would be more concerned if it's in Stegman. Um, obviously it's in Coleman. I do think the guys might come out with a little bit lower energy in that game, but I, I expect the crowd to be packed out and, you know, kind of maybe help the guys, you know, lift their energy and, um, different things like that. So I, I, I do consider it a potential trap game. Um, not as worried as I would be if we were on the road. That, that's totally fair. All right. So my last question for the day, why do you hate me so much on Twitter? I I promise you, I don't, I just like to stir the pot. <laughs> I, I, I know you do. I know you do. I, I, I am. I, every time though, I mean, it's just really funny at this point. I'm like, Oh God, every time you do that and you put like a slant of like how I'm, you know, like, I don't know, sliding Bama or something like that. It becomes just oh my God, I've got to hit all these Bama fault burner accounts off with a stick. Get out of my mentions. Get out of my mentions. Like you've, you've yet to do it to Maddie, like on the, on the, our Twitter account, but like it's every I time it's, it's me. Every time it's me, he just like ignores it. Cause I just. Well, like, no, I, I see the, the like M or D next to it. <laughs> it's a, if it's a D then I'm like, oh, okay. Now I know who, now I know who's talking. So um, no, I, I, um, I, like to mess with people i do it with marts all the time i do it of with course Auburn. you gotta do it with marts um i i actually did it with marts uh, he did his like confidence oh like this is you know the arts confidence and i found the tweet after arkansas lost and i just put like a eye emoji and then like just <laughs> flooding his mentions um, he did uh, redact that this morning he said i will no longer be giving the david marts stamp of confidence <laughs> um but yeah, I it's nothing against you guys if I see something that like can maybe just stir it up a little bit, you know, get cuz it and this doesn't this is this isn't trying to make me sound like, you know, not happy or thankful for what the program is, but you know, on a 22 and 3 record, you know, even our spaces get a little dry sometimes where I think our Auburn space Literally, after 30 minutes, I was like, I don't really have anything else to talk about because there's not like a lot of critiques and stuff. And so you got to keep it interesting. Otherwise, then, you know, there's if I'm not arguing with people or stirring something up, then, you know, it's just me posting random tweets on Twitter and it's not that as fun. So I, I get it. Like, yeah. hey, no, honestly, I'm not hurt about it at all. It's just it, it was funny because like I had War Machine and I mentioned it's like, why are Alabama fans in here taking this this way and things like that? And I was like, well, this happened. And yeah, uh, yeah you can blame Christian for this. And yeah, I'm pretty sure David texted me earlier this week. And he said, we have my biggest Twitter hater on the pod this, <laughs> this week. I was like, okay, deal. I'll protect myself. It's, it's definitely not, it's all love. Um, it's, it's all love. And, you know, it's just messing around and having a little bit of fun yeah no i mean it's a blast it really is and like i said i always need more fans for more fan bases like we're we're trying to tap into these some of these i don't know schools that 
don't even know basketball season's going on despite having a chance to make the NCAA tournament. I'm looking at you, Mississippi State. I think I have two followers for Mississippi State right now. But yeah, no, it, it's it's actually fun and like it gets me in front of more fan bases, in, whether they're well, yelling at me or not. <laughs> if you're looking for Mississippi State person that to contact and to you know try to get your name out there, Lounge Dog. Yeah, he he retweeted us very recently. He's yeah he. I know it's baseball season in his mind, though, like is the other thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, basketball space last night. I came okay. in and talked about uh, Mississippi State a little bit in there. So he did. He had a basketball- After that game with Arkansas. I, I, you know what? I'd be boasting, too. Like, I, I would be, you know, it's a big win. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, it's it, – I like I told you, I think all publicity is good publicity. You know, I, it could be negative, but at least you're getting people to interact and, you know – see the account and you know maybe they're like oh this account's bad so they just keep up with it just to mess with you guys or maybe they're like okay sometimes they make good points sometimes they make bad points let me you know listen to see what they have to say so yeah no like i said yeah i agree with you i I mean this is what the market i worked in for a long time you know so i know exactly what you're talking about listen christian thank you so much for coming on the show today especially with the uh twitter chaos that was going on i could not find uh, another Alabama or Tennessee possibility with DMs being shut down. Uh, thanks, Elon, for all your help uh, this week for putting the show together. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. You want to tell everybody where they can find you at in case they haven't heard you on the show here before? Yeah. Um, well, you can find us at uh, Crimson X over on Twitter. We do, you know, analytical breakdowns of Alabama basketball games. We try to keep up with the rest of the SEC um and you know statistically and different things like that you can find me at um at ct sykes that's s-y-k-e-s 13 on twitter um we do pre and post game pod or pre and post game twitter spaces um for alabama basketball um and like i said we do analytical breakdowns we kind of analyze just different aspects of you know what type of sets and plays that alabama is running and um also you know in pregame and or during game memes that's that's kind of what my thing is uh during during games so um you find us there and um like I said I really appreciate you guys having us on or having me on um and if you guys ever want me back you know I'm 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 always available sounds good man we really appreciate it of course we just got done talking to Christian and one of the games that we talked about in the recap was Auburn Auburn right now kind of in a death spiral so to speak there things aren't going good a three-game losing streak down in auburn you know big rivalry loss to alabama upset against texas a&m auburn really needs to get some wins under their belt to stay in talks for the tournament yeah they've lost five of their last six games that's a that's a huge problem and things don't necessarily get easier for the tigers mm-hmm. either and while, while vandy and Ole miss are coming up uh, for their next in their final six games, four of those games will be against teams that are making a case for the NCAA tournament. You've got Mizzou, you're at Kentucky, you're at Bama, and you got Tennessee. Like, yeah, none of that's easy. Well, I mean, you say Mizzou and Vandy like it's discounted, but they've both been amazing. Oh no, no, no. I, I included Mizzou on the list of teams that are you know making a, making their case for the NCAA yeah. tournament. You know. <laughs> Mizzou's in a fine spot. You know, you're right, though. Vandy's hot. You know, Vandy's Vandy's a hot team. So, really, out of five of those next six games, that ain't going to be fun. And so, you got to figure out, you got to win some basketball games through Auburn. You got to figure out how to win them. Because, as I said, 
in last week's pod, it's a big deal. Alabama, that game at home against Alabama, mm-hmm. could have put them pretty firmly in the NCAA tournament. Now you've got to figure it out. Yeah, You've got to win a game. You've got to figure out which of these games you're going to win to make your final last stand to make the NCAA tournament, yep. and I, I think it's rough right now. De- definitely in a must-win situations here. Um, you know, Mizzou at home, Vandy on the road. I think these are going to be rough games for Auburn. I could be wrong, but, you know, both of these teams, like I said, are coming off some big wins. It's going to be hard to stop that momentum, and Auburn has to at this point, or they're looking at sitting at home in March. Well, Mizzou's a team that can cause a ton of chaos. Yep. You know, that's that's part of their M.O. If they get going from three, I don't know how Auburn will run with them. I, I, I just don't, because <laughs> Auburn doesn't shoot well. Yeah. They rely, they're very reliant on Wendell Green and Jani Broom. They shoot seven, you know, and they, this team also shoots under 70% from the free throw line. So I, if Mizzou's offense gets rolling, I don't know how Auburn's going to keep up with that. And then you're also talking about Mizzou also being a faster basketball yeah. team. I think where this is going to, you know, it, it's all comes down to rebounding again. You know, Mizzou is a poor rebounding team. That's the stat that if you're going to beat Mizzou, you have to win that stat and you have to win it convincingly. And it's not because Mizzou, you know, like, oh, we have to out-rebound Mizzou. It's you take away their shot opportunities when you do that and you limit their ability to run. So that's that's kind of the hope. And in Neville Arena, I'm a little bit worried about this. Honestly, though, as long as Auburn doesn't allow Mizzou to dictate things to them, I think Auburn wins this basketball game. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned rebounding. I think that is actually a stat that Auburn fares pretty well in. And if we look at that Alabama and Auburn game, the first half Auburn played amazing three-point defense, and I think that is going to be their shining hope to get a win here. Yeah, for for sure. And we'll see what happens. That's definitely a game I'm worried about if I'm a Tigers fan, and I'm trying to get people in the building to sell that one out. To... One of the Tigers fans? One of the Tigers fans, yeah. War Eagle fan. Like, let's just make it yeah. – yeah. that'll, that'll be a fun run for next week. If I'm down on the plains, I'm getting people that – yeah, right. That'll be fun to talk about. It's not like they didn't have to do this for LSU also earlier. we got too many Tigers in this league. You know, Albert just needs to fully transition to be the War Eagles now. Like, you know, just to, just to clean it up. You know, make, make life a little bit easier. Exactly. They're never going to do that. All right, Auburn on Saturday will also have to travel to Nashville to play a red-hot Vandy team. Um, this isn't a game I expected to really talk about, but, you know, Vandy has played good basketball here of late. They've upset Florida. They've upset Tennessee. You know, it, it's a surprising run for Vanderbilt, and they do have – According to some bracketologists, an outsider's chance that they could win out to make the NCAA tournament. It's a very outside. It's about the same chances that Georgia has, but they could do it. it they could. It, it, it's, there's a potential I mean, the there. The way Jerry Stackhouse has been transforming this team has been absolutely amazing to me. Yeah. You know, we've seen from a pretty slow start, the horrible start, climbing up the hill to, I, I think they're, are they even right now? Um, I don't know if they're even or not. I'd have to look, but yeah, you know, yep, they're six and six. They're both six and eight. Yeah, you know, Jerry Stackhouse has had a much better run in SEC play than he did to start the season, um, which is weird because he's playing better basketball teams right now. But sometimes it takes teams a while to develop chemistry. So what I will say about this game is Liam Robbins and Janai Broom are going to be a tough matchup. You're going to have to watch these big men go to work, and whoever can win the battle on the glass may dictate what happens in this game. Mm Uh, additionally, Vandy does not have a good defense. Like that's that's the one thing they're they're terrible on, and they also have the worst net rating in the SEC outside of uh, South Carolina. So uh, I believe that's correct right now. LSU might be competing with them at this point, but you know it, it's still they're both negatives, 
they're both negative in the net rating, so it, it's not beautiful. So Auburn could get some good chances to get points in this game. So, I, again, I, I do like Auburn. But the thing is, is, I have not seen many teams go into Memorial Coliseum and shoot well there. It's the worst yeah. venue in the SEC. <laughs> Memorial Magic happens because no one can shoot in that building. I don't know why no one can shoot in that building, but it's just a weird place to play basketball. Yeah. Um, so right now, sorry, as we are record time of recording, South Carolina took down LSU eighty eight to sixty four in women's basketball. South Carolina with the win. So there's only one undefeated team left, and that's a that's a tough one for LSU. Yeah, tough loss, you know. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get down when we get to, to the women's, women's basketball. basketball we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. <laughs> Good <right>. game. Yep. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about one of the teams that Auburn is playing this week. It was a solid week for Missouri. Wins over South Carolina in Tennessee and Knoxville, as we mentioned earlier. Tigers are playing some great basketball under Dennis Gate, and Mizzou has won five of their last six games. It also includes two top twenty-five wins over Iowa State and Tennessee. Maddie. Is Dennis Gates the best newcomer in the SEC this year? I think you might be. It's definitely a case for it. Um, you know, we're seeing this Mizzou team bounce back from that Mississippi State loss last week. Huge game for Mizzou on Saturday. You know, I rarely miss any Arkansas athletics, but I missed the last portion of the game watching this Mizzou-Tennessee game. It was amazing. Um, best one of the year, I think, in my, my opinion, for Mizzou this year. So... I think we see them in the tournament at this point. Oh, I mean, they're going to be there. Yeah. I, I think they, I think they're convincing enough, and they look good enough that they can do that. They're, they're, they're in the tournament. There's no doubt in my mind. I think Gates inherited a great situation at Mizzou, and then he brought in his transfer players, and that's why this team yeah. has gotten to the point they are. I think I've mentioned that a couple of times this season. Mizzou like, looks like they're going to be a six seed or higher in the NCAA tournament, but that being said, they do have some tough games that are going to be coming up. I mean, we're talking about them playing Auburn, and they'll also face Texas A and M. And that game against the Aggies, Aggies beat Mizzou pretty convincingly last time they played. Uh, It was probably the biggest downfall for Mizzou this season. And, um, yeah, in that game, Aggies dominated the boards, you know, 17 rebounds. Again, Mizzou just not a good rebounding team, and that's, that's been a concern all season. This time the Tigers are going to have to come, are going to be, are going to have to be in Como for this game, or they're going to be at home. And in all honesty, though, in their first matchup, Kobe Brown, had a good game, 12 points. Yeah. Hodge and Golston also went for double digits for Mizzou. The only thing I can say for Mizzou is that they have to shoot better this time around and get a couple more of those rebounds and force more turnovers in this game. I don't expect much change in the atmosphere, or like things should favor you know Mizzou in the atmosphere, but I don't expect a lot of changes in this game. I think the Aggies are going to win this game, even in Mizzou. This is, but it's going to be a closer version of this game is what I think. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we look at Boots Radford and Wade Taylor at Texas A&M. I feel like Mizzou in the last game, they just couldn't figure them out. They yeah. couldn't find a way to stop them. I think they're going to have worked on that. Went, obviously went back, watched film. So, like you said, I think it's going to be a closer game, but I still think we see A&M take the win here. Yeah, no, no joke. And I think it's going to be a tough one. Um 
that being said, Mizzou is playing great basketball, and I don't think it's anything bad to say that you know there could be an upset in Como this weekend. It shouldn't take away from how well that team is playing. It's just a bad matchup for them, mm-hmm. and it's it's a matchup in which I think Texas A&M is a team that can run with Mizzou at the speed that they want to play, and they just happen to rebound better and shoot. About. They don't shoot as well, but they, they play tenaciously enough on the boards to supplement that offense that Mizzou has. So yeah. I, I, I do have some faith in Texas A&M. Let's touch on Texas A&M real fast. On A&M, I'm not gonna, we're not going to do a preview right now. We'll cover the that in the Arkansas section. But Texas A&M is still the number two team in the SEC to this point. Can you believe yeah. that? I mean, they took care of business against LSU and Auburn this week, which honestly shocked me a little bit. I think that Auburn game really proved that Texas A&M is where they should be in the standings. They, they've made up a lot of ground to get themselves back in the NCAA, tar- the NCAA tournament conversation yep. field at this point. I mean, they, they were in bad shape. Yep. You, know, you can't lose to Murray State. You can't lose to some of the teams that they lost to in the course of getting to this point. They've made up for it. They've won some big games mm-hmm. in the process. That being said, they are starting to look like a dangerous team for March. But this week, I think, is the first week we're going to actually find out who the Aggies are. Yeah. Yeah. This, I agree with that one. Yeah. So let's just, let's just recap their week real fast. They beat Auburn and LSU. Aggies swept Auburn on the year. You know, it was it was a pretty solid showing now for Texas A&M to get those wins. Uh, of course, LSU, you're going to Baton Rouge, so that helps the situation a little bit more in your yeah. net in your uh, in your net rankings. But you know, Dexter Dennis added 13 points for that win over the Tigers, and Taylor was six from 11 from the floor. Boos Bradford and Wade Taylor playing outstanding basketball. Yeah, like, let's are. let's let's just be real. They're they're, they're terrific. Let's see Texas A and M fans. If you got any Wade Taylor posters, I said I'd put one up in yeah. my my at home <laughs> setup. So send them my way. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Aggies have won five of their last six games. Um, it, it's really good. They're on a three game SEC winning streak right now. Toughest stretch of the season though coming up: Arkansas, yep. Mizzou, Tennessee, Mississippi State. And Alabama, all to come for Texas A&M. We're going to find out who this team is. I don't know how high the ceiling goes for Texas A&M, but we're going to find out where they're going to be at as the season wraps up. If you win all those games, wow. If you get massacred in all those games, you've got an issue. Um, So we'll see what happens with Texas A&M. But to this point, they look like they're starting to turn into a dangerous team in March. We're going to have a lot more data on how they look against tournament teams coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yep, for sure. All right, let's talk about... Oh, God bless. I'm assuming this is Arkansas. Oh, boy, you're right. (laughs) (sighs) It has been an up-and-down week for Arkansas. They got themselves off the bubble, talks by beating Kentucky this week in Lexington, and then in Nick Smith Jr.'s return for the Hogs, they lost to Mississippi State at home. Yeah, I think, you know, Nick shook off some rust on Saturday. I think we really start to see him play his game next week against Florida. I feel like, you know, he put kind of a buffer in there because an away game is going to be harder for him to get going. But I think it's an opportunity to get him more comfortable being on the floor again. Yeah, let's start with Nick Smith before we go through this walkthrough with the Razorbacks. Uh, Smith... Was out for the Hogs since December, if you're not following that situation or from another fan base or something like that. He made his return Saturday evening against Mississippi State and Bud Walton. Fans were extremely excited. Standing ovation when he got back out on the floor. I did not expect Smith to get the minutes that he got uh, against Mississippi State. He played 17 minutes. Uh, Eric Musselman said that there was no minutes restriction for him. 
uh, in his post-game conversation. So I, I found that interesting. Smith is still considered to be a top NBA prospect, uh, somewhere in the top 10. It may be expanded to still whose board it is, but for sure in the top 15. It's kind of been sliding ever since he's been out. Also, Brandon Miller playing fantastic. Kind of, Brandon Miller's kind of taking that number three supply from him. Yeah. Um, but we'll see where he ends up at the end of the year. He does also add a deep ball threat for the Razorback. He is a pretty good, um, pretty good three-point shooter. Let's let's talk about Arkansas and Kentucky real fast. I mean, a good win against Kentucky. Fantastic win for Muss, seeing that he has now never lost in Rupp. Yeah, he's never lost in Rupp Arena. Um, that's pretty impressive. And they beat the Cats by 15 in Rupp Arena yep. in a game where Kentucky needed to win. So, you know, you beat an anxious <laughs> Kentucky team that you need to win. Winner gets off the bubble, basically, in the eyes of some bracketologists. I've seen the Hogs much higher. I did not have bubble concerns going into that game. Yeah, like sure. Just because Joe Lenardi says it doesn't mean it's true. Um, but overall, good performance from Arkansas. They were dominant. They got to the paint constantly in that game and just you know beat the tar out of the Cats in their own house. So pretty interesting as far as that game goes. Let's talk about Mississippi State. Oh, do we have to? Uh, yeah, I tried to find a reason that Arkansas lost this game. I really did. And... They just couldn't get it going. Mississippi State was plus two from the three-point three point field goal percentage and shot 60% from deep. Hogs limited the turnovers, had less fouls, and had 10 more free throw attempts. Yeah. I mean, you watch the after-game pressers, you hear Anthony Black say, like, he knows that they should have won that game. Yeah. But they just couldn't get it going. And I don't know if it's, you know, like you said, Nick Smith's got 17 minutes in his return is it a chemistry thing like they are gonna have to learn how to play together again just one of those games we should have lost yeah i know that's again that's why i said i was kind of surprised by the amount of minutes that he was giving nick smith out there Mm -hmm. because i don't think like don't get me wrong nick smith was plus three in that game and the plus minus for that boy so you're a better team with nick smith out on the floor but you may be a better team overall for that game if you limit some of his minutes and mm-hmm. just allow, like, okay, we're going to get him back out there and some flow. Because that's what I think was missing was the chemistry. Because yeah. I, I was at the game, and there was moments where I was just like, you know Nick's open in the corner, right, Devo? There were like, yeah, and it's like, just, like, just go, get, go to him. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, multiple times in that game where like there was a disconnect with him being on the floor, just not understanding what his teammates were doing out there. And – I, I don't know. Like it, I, I was very surprised by the amount of time that he got. But he, Arkansas was a better team with him. Yeah, for sure. And it's only going to get better. You may have lost the battle against Mississippi State, and it was not as bad as everyone's feeling like. Yeah. The feeling in Fayetteville right now is that you just lost to South Carolina. Yeah. That's not what happened. We came close, but we didn't, yeah, didn't get there. The feeling in South <laughs> no, I mean, like, they think we're all just kind of assuming that South Carolina came in here. Yeah. And beat us, you know, in yeah. Bud Walton. That's not the case. Yeah. There's actually, Mississippi State looks like a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I spoke with my stepdad as the game was starting, and I told him, I said, I think right now what's going to be problematic is Mississippi State's defense. Yeah. And they, they, they had a great they defense. They, yeah. they had a good they defense. They fantastic on defense. We couldn't get around that, and... That's where we lost it. Yeah, no, it, it was very frustrating. Uh, and like I said, despite what some people are saying on Twitter, I'm, I'm shouting out to you, Ben Brandon. I, not that Ben Brandon's saying anything bad. He's been fighting these trolls all, all this morning. Um, but Arkansas is a better team with Nick Smith Jr. on the floor. Uh, yep. You're talking about somebody who adds 12.8 points per game, 21.7 per 40. 
and then you're talking about over over 108 offensive rating that i believe is higher than the hogs team average offensive rating and then you're talking about 1.23 point field goals made per game he's the number 14 player in the assist in the limited games that he has played and nick smith jr of course was plus three in the minutes that he had played against mississippi state you were a better team with nick smith jr on the floor just give it a minute for the offense to gel and that's what razorback fans really need yeah for sure Let's talk about the games that they got coming up this week. Hogs have Texas A&M in College Station and Florida in Bud Walton Arena. First game, this is going to be a tough game for the Hogs, but one that will help their resume a lot. I don't expect the Aggies to have the same issues at home, though, that they had at Bud Walton Arena. Aggies were terrible from the free throw line in Fayetteville. Uh, Aggies won the boards and the turnover battle in that game and still could not pull out a win. Hogs are going to have to figure out how they can get to the paint again like they did in that first game because they were dominant from there. Um, you've also got Nick Smith Jr. now back to if you can get the situation to open up the floor a little bit more, yep. that, that'll that help a lot. You need his three-point game. Debo's got to hit some three-point shots because that was, you know, I know he had the one, but, like, that was something that Arkansas had some issues. They needed more threes to fall for them in that Mississippi State game. So they could keep that floor presence uh, down, rim, down around the rim and give Ricky Council some ability to drive. That's something that they're going to have to work on. I, I don't know exactly how to feel on this. This almost seems like a coin flip game to me. Yeah, honestly, I, I agree. I think hopefully, as you like to say, wounded animal mode, hopefully that's the hogs going into Texas A&M because it's, they, it's need, a possibility. Yeah. they need to come out and prove themselves in this game. Um, you know, I think we don't really need to worry about their game against Florida on Saturday, but this one against Texas A&M, like you said, it's, it's a little bit of a coin toss. I think Arkansas is a better team than Texas A&M. Texas A&M has yeah. a better record, they an uh, SEC record than the Hogs, but I, I legitimately think Arkansas is a better team than Texas A&M. That said, you're going on the road to a team that's excited and is desperate to make the NCAA tournament and make sure that they're staying in their standings where they are now. If they keep moving up, they want to keep going. They want to now get better seeding and not be an 11 or 10 seed. They want to yeah. be an 8, 9, 6, if possible, 5, maybe still on the table. I don't know how high their ceiling actually goes, mm-hmm. but they're going to try to keep winning games. Arkansas is in a situation where you just lost a game that you shouldn't have lost. Mm-hmm. That's where we're yeah. animal mode starts coming out. Exactly. A game where you feel a little embarrassed. Because Muscle's press conference after the Mississippi State game was four minutes. You tell yeah. me if that man was upset or not, because I I, don't, I think, I'm not sure, but I think a journalist was asking a question and he just walked out of the room. And I don't think it was anything against that journalist. Yeah. He, I just I just remember looking up from my computer and going, is the interview over? Like, just like, was, like that, that was it. Yep, okay, we're done here. All right. But we'll see what Looney Tunes, that's all, folks. Yeah, exactly. He was done. And he looked about as dumbfounded about that game as I was after, yeah. after coming out of it. So it would not surprise me. We have a very intense week of practice here in Fayetteville. And Razorbacks come out a little bit, a uh, little bit with their hair on fire in yep. uh, in College Station. The Saturday game though is against the Florida Gators. Florida's kind of moving out of that, making the tournament conversation a little bit more into making the NIT yep. conversation <laughs> right now. It's not good. Gators right on that line of bubble team, and they will be. There will this will be a huge chance in Fayetteville for them. Very similar circumstances, though, to the Mississippi State game for the Hogs. Just like the Bulldogs in Tolu Smith, Colin Castleton is a big man who can do some damage. He is a force. Um, we're going to have to see what the Hogs have learned about a very similar offensive style. thing is, is Florida doesn't play the same level of defense that Mississippi State does. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the Hogs learned in that game against Mississippi State and how they apply it to, that, to a, a similar opponent. I mean, honestly, if we are looking at 
two of my new favorite hogs, the Mitchell Twins. Mm-hmm. They have been dominating on defense, so I think they are going to handle Colin Castle. They, they, no sh- they some shot blockers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they can get down to business for I know, sure. I think um, for this week, at some point, I'm going to work around a little invite to uh, the Mitchell's blog party. Yeah, and put it put it on Twitter. What Friday's I, game. What I like. Saturday's game. Yeah. What what I like about this game though is that center matchup. You're right. I do feel better with the Mitchell twins down there playing Colin Castleton. I think that is a matchup that Florida does not like. And yep. then the four other players on the floor are going to have to win it. And I, I'll be honest, Arkansas's guards are better than Florida's guards. Yeah. For so sure. I, I think that's where we're going to see the difference in this game. Again, I keep saying Arkansas is better than teams, though, and like this is why Eric Musselman probably is aged five years in this season with between the injuries and the young freshman making freshman mistake issues at yeah. times. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, overall, again, I do think Arkansas is a more talented team. I don't think Bud Walton's going to let two games in a row slip like that. I'm going to put a lot of money on probably on Arkansas to beat Florida on Saturday, unless you know someone else blows out their knee. Yeah, I agree with that. I got some wood here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just activated my dogs, everyone. Look at that. I knocked on wood. I knocked on wood. Everyone, I hope you hope you're enjoying this. This is a fun little out. This is this is, bu- this is why I need podcast. a patron. This is why I need a pi- we need a patron. Right? Yeah, we need a patron. Let's talk about Mississippi State. Okay. I'm just leaving this in the show. I'm just Do gonna it. keep Go rolling. Yeah. All right. We mentioned that less rough loss for Arkansas against Mississippi State. For Mississippi State, huge win. Great win. Great win. This is the fun of talking yeah. about a conference podcast instead of you know talking about your own team so like from in the reverse perspective mississippi state got the business done got that q1 win pushing themselves a little bit better in that bubble talk situation it's looking good mississippi state this week you know had wins over lsu and arkansas deshaun davis scored 17 points uh and picked up his fifth straight win over the razorbacks bulldogs led for all but three minutes and 19 seconds of this game in bud walton arena that's impressive yeah. Um, this team's defense is extremely good. Tolu Smith, someone to be reckoned with, and a dangerous, dangerous team. Uh, this week, Mississippi State will face Kentucky at home and rival Ole Miss. You know, as much as I kind of want to bite my tongue right now, I think I see them taking over Kentucky and Missouri. And I feel like based on the rest of their Ole Miss? schedule. Ole Miss? Maybe? Ole Miss. Yeah. yeah. There we go. But uh, – but I think we see them take care of business with the rest of their games this season, and we see them possibly in the tournament. I, I think they're headed toward the tournament direction. It's a really good first year for Chris, Chris Johns. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss, to me, is a very easy win for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, I, Mississippi State passes better rebounds, better lots for you points. The only thing I can find for Ole Miss that favors them is that this thing is being played in Oxford, and it's you know, rivalry grand. I, I really like Ole Mississippi State to push Ole Miss around at home in this game, and it's, you know, put Kermit Davis um, a little bit in the inferno hot seat uh, situation <laughs> that he's got going on. Kentucky, though, this is a game at the hump, and it's going to be a big bat- big man battle between uh, Tolu Smith and Oscar Sheboy. It's important. It's a, it, that's an important head-to-head in this game. Yeah. This is an important head-to-head game, like, overall, because both these teams are bubble teams right now. And having that head-to-head over another team helps you helps your resume going into the tournament to say, hey, look at us. We got the head-to-head. You should put us in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You should, we should be ahead of that team, no matter what. Um, now, that being said, we've also seen the committee just say, well, we don't really care about that. <laughs> like, um, cite Oklahoma State in 2018. 20, 20, uh, they, they have some complaints with uh, Oklahoma yeah. at that point. A little bit. A little bit. Um, so, yeah, that, that, definitely very interesting there. If Kentucky can get the three bowl going in this game, I think it might cause problems for Mississippi State. 
because Mississippi State doesn't put up a ton of points. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the catalyst in this game is how much you can limit Kentucky's offense. Offensive rebounding and three-point shooting are going to be huge for the Cats. Yeah. So that's where, again, this defense has to win this game for Kentucky. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I think we see Oscar Sheboy put up some big numbers. But like you said, Tolu Smith, I feel like it's going to be a good match. Yeah, I do too. All right, so there's also some news that we need to talk about real quick. Of course, if you're following the story in New Mexico State, you know who was coaching at New Mexico State last year, Coach Johns. Uh, This week, New Mexico State announced that they were canceling the rest of the basketball season because of allegations of hazing. The suspension comes after the November 19th shooting on the Albuquerque campus of rival New Mexico. Um, That left uh, Peak, a New Mexico player, injured and a 19-year-old UNM student named Brandon Travis dead. The university has not shared any details on the alleged hazing that is going on, which is a different allegation that is working on that's that's going on for the final suspension of the basketball program or any of the names of the accused for participating in this hazing. Now, I bring this up to say we do not know if Chris Johns had anything to do with the hazing incidents, but he was the head coach last year. Yeah. And we do not know how far back these hazing allegations go. If I'm not mistaken, there are players and former staff members who are still there from New Mexico State who were a part of Jan's staff, who are now working for the, you know, under what's happening now there. So it, it's something to keep your eye on because I don't know how this situation is going to turn out. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a situation that gets, not to make light of it, a little hazy. Um, <laughs> one you way know. to say it. Yep. Uh, because it's one of those situations, like, you could very easily have a coach say, oh, I knew nothing about it. Wash your hands. Like, unless they have hard concrete evidence, it's going to be hard to pin yawns for anything. I agree with you. I there were, I there We don't know any of the evidence. So yeah. I'm going to start saying that. Number two, though, I don't think you cancel a basketball season if the allegations are we made the guys drink three beers and, you know, yeah. do, a, do a stupid dance. Like, that's hazing, too. But I don't think it's as serious as what to warrant canceling a basketball season yeah. and like a money making from a money making successful team this has to be something big yeah for sure. and i i feel like that that's what instincts tell me i have no evidence of that and I, mind you i do not i'm not saying that's what it is but my suspicions are saying that yeah i agree with that yeah. um definitely gonna be something we are gonna have to keep our eye on though yeah i've I just remember driving my car the first time I started hearing all the stuff about the New Mexico State game because I was listening to the Iowa College Basketball podcast mm-hmm. and they mentioned that shooting. And like once a month or once every two weeks, something comes out about this New Mexico State stuff. And I'm just like, this is the weirdest story ever coming out of a mid-major program like yeah. this. And I, I just, I, I don't know. It's nuts. That's now kind of shifting into the SEC because yeah, of Coach Johns. Because yeah. Coach Johns. So see how the rest of this story unfolds. But Right now, Jans is guilty of nothing. He is not suspected of anything that we know of. There is not enough evidence or anything that is being leaked to the public currently. But it's something just to keep your eye on and be aware of. Um, let's talk about one of Mississippi State's opponents for this week. A team that is, whoo boy, things aren't going good in Lexington. The Wildcats went 0-2 this week against Arkansas and Georgia. In that Georgia game, I saw very little energy from Kentucky, and they mm-hmm. almost had Wheeler. And they, they, they were in bad shape. They had Frederick and Wheeler out, and nothing looked good for Kentucky in that time. Antonio Reeves was trying to win a basketball game for them in that. Yeah, for sure. You know, like you said, two back-to-back losses this week. Um, I think as we get further, we see 
this Kentucky team hopes for postseason continues to slip away. Loss at home to Arkansas, loss at Georgia on the road. Two teams you have to beat to get off of the bubble talk, and they couldn't come out ahead. No. Well, Cairo Aquindo scored 21 points. Um, Braylon Bridges and Justice Hill combined for 19 second-half points, and Georgia just beat them 75-68. It was really well done. Uh, Oscar Sheboy, who had 37 points and 24 rebounds in the first game, he came away with a little bit less this time, twenty and fourteen. Uh, Reeves also had twenty points for the uh, for the Kentucky. That was just a horrible loss, and it's it's their second loss to a team that's in not outside the top one hundred in the net. Yeah, that's bad. That's real bad. Uh, Cats still only have one P one win this season. It's bad. Yeah, I I just can't say anymore. Kentucky has to play Tennessee, Mississippi State, Florida, Auburn, and Arkansas. Maddie, does Kentucky have any hope left? I, I honestly don't think so. You don't think so? So do you think they're going to have to win the SEC tournament to make make it in March? I, I don't even know if that's enough. If that, well, that's honest, an automatic like, bid. <laughs> like, I don't know how that's not enough. It's an automatic bid. <laughs> I don't know. Like, well, I mean. If you win the SEC tournament, yeah. you're in. But, like, yeah. They aren't going to win the SEC tournament, though. It's, it's more so Is my, that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah okay. That, I, I'm that's following. where I was going, yeah. Okay, just trying to make make sense. They're they're in if they win it, but yeah, okay. The last time I saw a team do that who was in dire straits like that would probably be Arkansas in 2000 with Joe Johnson. I see it. Yeah. So, uh, Oscar Sheepway, Joe Johnson time, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's bad shape, but there's a lot of good chances to get some Q1 victories to help themselves out. But right right, right now, I don't know how they're going to do it with those road games that they have. I, I, I think Florida... Might be their only real Q1 chance that they have to get a legitimate win. Arkansas is going to be put together. I, I don't expect yeah. I don't expect that Mississippi State game to be a repeat for the Kentucky game. I don't suspect that down the road. Um, I think Arkansas will be back to gelling at that point, and then yeah, Arkansas fans so. get up for Kentucky. Yeah, I've seen way worse Arkansas teams beat Kentucky in Bud Walton Arena mm-hmm. and beat better Kentucky teams in this one. So I, I just I don't know. I, I don't I don't really I'm with you. I don't really see a lot of hope for Kentucky right now. They're going to have to figure it out. Um, we've talked about Kentucky's two upcoming games. It's a crucial week for them, and they're they need they need a win. They and they they just they need it. They need something good to go. Um, real fast um, for the rest of the conference, just to touch up on it real fast. I'm going to talk for just ten seconds here, really, on Ole Miss because as we get closer to conference tournament time, it's also the lovely time of the year where coaches get fired, um, and I think. Pretty firmly adding to the list right now on the hot seat. Kermit Davis, Ole Miss job going to be opened up so it, here pretty soon. I've got a gut feeling on this one. What do you think? Yeah, I think just based on their season, you know, we talked a little bit about them, like, in in the beginning on our conference preview episode that Kermit needed to do well this season. And <laughs> it has not gone that it, way. It hasn't hasn't looked great for him. Yeah, the frog is, uh, is struggling out there, and uh, I don't – I don't know what I don't know what to tell anybody at this point. And it, like Ole Miss fans have given up on the season. Yeah, they've given up on it. They gave up on it in j- early January. Yeah. Well, I think you know, especially after the Mavarell injury, it yeah. just totally went downhill. And that might be an excuse that he pulls up again. But you know, Ole Miss had injuries last year too. How many times are you just going to allow it to happen? Like, yeah. you, you need a fire. I mean, up Arkansas there. had injuries too. But yeah. You yeah. see where they're at. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, a Arkansas, lot better position. A lot better position than. Yeah. You know, one way or the other, but yeah, it's it's repeat. It's I don't I don't really. Ole Miss needs to fire him. Yeah, 
will they do it? I don't know. But like pretty firmly at this point, you have a brand new building in Oxford that people aren't coming to go see basketball games to. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a real problem. Yeah, it's, it's a bad situation. Let's talk about women's basketball real quick. Um, my computer does not want to work. You want to lead off this conversation about the recap real fast between LSU and uh, and South Carolina and how that game went? Yeah, I mean, so just looking over the stats, you know, they were playing while we started recording, so didn't get to watch this one. But just looking over, um, you know, South Carolina took care of business in the first quarter, 24-15, to 15, and then LSU lit up and went 17-18 with them in the second quarter. Um, so they were only down 10 at half, but they just couldn't pick up the pieces. Yeah. Um, South Carolina looking like they went for a strong game over 33%, um, for three point yeah, field can, goals over 57%. Solid South, game. South Carolina just, they just can't be beat. Yeah, Cadarzo had 18 points, 13 rebounds, Cook scored 17, and uh, yeah, South Carolina beats LSU. Yep. So it's a tough day for Coach Kim. Aaliyah Boston finished with 14 points, 9 boards to help the Gamecocks on their 31st straight win. Good grief. Those are just things you just... <laughs> I'm telling you, the South Carolina team, early 2000s UConn good. Like yep. that, that's, that's where they are. Um, yeah, it's it's a showcase. This was a showcase game, and uh, you know, Angel Reese, she did everything she could to help, but you know, it was just Leah Boston's day in this game, South Carolina Gamecocks. I will say this: I mean, Alexa, Boston Reese and yeah. with Boston and Reese, they combined for thirty nine points. Um, you know, they or they've kept combined thirty nine double doubles this season. Um, yeah, it's they're they're excellent basketball players, and I think today we got a chance to watch a little bit of what the future of USA's women's, you know, like Olympic basketball team is going to look like. So, you yeah, know, it, sure. it, 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 these are, these are great players. So yeah. like, that's, we saw a huge game tough. from Alexis Morris too. Um, kind of LSU's, I don't want to say underdog, but one that's obviously not talked about as much as Angel Reese, right. 23 points and uh, five defensive boards. Solid game for her as well. Yep. All right, Maddie, I've got five games. And we don't have to talk about them. Five games. We don't have right. to talk about them, but you can just tell me which one of these that you like the most okay. um, that I think are going to be huge for the women's game that, or for the women this week to watch. Tennessee is at Arkansas. Ooh. That one's going to be fun. That'll be a good one. Um, currently, Arkansas is beating the tar out of Mizzou. We'll see what happens with that game. And, I mean, they're beating them soundly right now. Uh, Mississippi State is playing Mizzou. Uh, then we have Ole Miss and LSU. See if LSU can bounce back against a good Ole Miss team. Uh, South Carolina at Ole Miss. Ole Miss got a tough, tough week in front of them. Very interested to see if they can get one of these wins. And then Alabama is playing Mississippi State this week. What do you think about those games? I mean, you know, obviously as an Arkansas fan, I want Arkansas to win that one. But the way that the women have been playing lately, I don't know if they can overcome Tennessee. I don't know. You need to check the score right now for uh, <laughs> Arkansas and Mizzou. And Mizzou's a decent basketball team. And there's four minutes and 14 seconds left yeah. in the fourth quarter. Do you know how many uh, points Mizzou's put up? Well, 27 total. But you just pulled up the score. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through trying to look. Um, but, you know, if you're looking at it, Mizzou's 4-7 and seven in conference. Arkansas's 5-6. and six. Tennessee's starting to turn theirs around. They're 10-2 and two in the SEC. Yeah, right they are. They're, they're a good basketball team, and I think that's going to be an important game in Bud Walton. That will, now, I will say this. The name Tennessee, when it comes to women's basketball, means juggernaut in everyone's mind. But yep. this is a beatable Tennessee team. Yep. And I think with the, if you get a good crowd in Bud Walton, 
Arkansas could beat Tennessee, so they needed you know Razorback Razorback fans need to show up for that game. Yeah, that's gonna be a huge basketball game. It's probably gonna be the most. I think the Tennessee Arkansas game will be have the biggest consequences throughout the SEC. Not necessarily much on this on the standings, but where tournament hopes lie for certain teams. Yeah, and that'll probably be the most consequential game of the week. That and Ole Miss at LSU will also be a huge one to see oh, if the yeah, Tigers definitely. can get back on track. And get a good win um, as they're in pursuit of that number one seed. Yeah, I mean we've seen LSU fans start to turn out for women's basketball games, so I think that one's going to be a big one. I think LSU is going to get a bounce back win there. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's going to be another fun, fun week of hoops. Um, yeah, so I just want to welcome you know Oklahoma again one more time to the SEC. I'm very glad that they're joining us. They they're good. good. We, we, we can make this a thing. You welcome Oklahoma and I'll welcome Texas. No, no one welcomes Texas. That's just my opinion. Like, <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to welcome Oklahoma, so. I'll welcome them. I don't care at this point. Like, <laughs> that other team just, you know. It was funny. I, I tweeted something. It was, uh, what did I say? It's like, how do we replace you? Or how do we return you to, like, someone's, uh, like. Return to Cinderella. Some journalist was so excited. It was like, this Tennessee, like, beat writer was all, like, or not Tennessee, Texas beat writer was all, like. Yeah, hello, fellow SEC fans. And I just immediately, how do we return you? Texas Tech fans is like, no, you're stuck with them. They're your problem now. Like, you take care of the crybabies. I was like, oh, man, I love Texas Tech fans in a weird way. Like, y'all just hate them as much as we hate them. So, gross. (laughs) I don't know. But it's going to be a fun week of basketball. Fun future. Fun everything else. Um I, I this is not a sponsor to the show, but um, Rogaine is a thing. So if you find yourself ripping your hair out through the course of you know making your way to March Madness, the madness before the madness begins, yeah. um, hair regrowth is a good thing. Toupees are out I, there. I need the to hit them up. Yeah, wigs. It's I feel like it's gonna start. Yeah, start soon based on that game. Saturday. Just for men, eliminates gray. You know, you know, it's, it's good stuff everywhere. Um, I'm sure he recommends the products as we've talked about things like you know uh, blow dryers on the show you're the night sky trying to make me see your stars the dark eternally now I see violet I can feel silence and the dark saw that I see when your stars are burnt out and your heart makes no sound I'll find that